At Dublab, we believe in equality and action. Strong, creative people have the power to make a difference. My voice is coming to you from the Dublab studio. Make your voice heard just as clearly by voting. Broadcast your message by participating in one of the most important elections of our generation. Get started by using vote.gov and registering today. Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a DubLab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the DubLab radio archives. back on She Said So Radio LA. Yes, and we are joined by Kumi James, a.k.a. Bebe, who likes to focus on music that feels empowering to her, honing in on women of color and femme artists who are claiming their influence in this world and who also exist within the black diaspora, being R&B, hip-hop, dance hall, Jersey Club, Bounce, Afrobeat, and much more. She does a monthly show on NTS with Fuck You, Pay Us, a black, mostly queer female punk group. Kumi is a PhD student at USC in media arts and practice. She's a multidisciplinary artist and has produced music for dance performances and works on creating safer party spaces for queer, black, indigenous, and people of color in Los Angeles. Kumi, welcome to She Sets Her Radio. Thank you for having me. Thank you for I being here. I sound so cool. <laughs> you are so cool. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, we're happy to have you. So, Before Monica? we get started, um, there's something you wanted to announce or say? Yeah, um, so I wanted to ask that everyone who's listening, tuning in, and in this room, whether you're driving, busy doing something, um, if we could take 30 seconds to pause and hold a moment of silence for the three black women who were killed um, throughout the country, um, three black trans women, and they are Shantae Tucker, who was murdered in Philadelphia, Dejanae Stanton, who was killed in Chicago, and Vontasia Bell, who um, was murdered in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, and so far in 2018, um, 19 trans women have been killed, and most of those have been uh, trans women of color and black trans women. So yeah, if we could take 30 seconds right now. Thank you so much. Basically, I wanted to remind folks, um, I think it's important to remember that we have to honor black trans women in life and not only in death. So just to remember, like, to support them if, if they live around you or, like, folks that live in your community. Um, yeah, they can, sometimes they're going through a lot of struggle. So Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Thank yeah, you so no much. Problem. That's a beautiful way to start the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, but Kumi, we're so happy to have you in the studio today. Um, so let's start off by um, having you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and when you discovered that you wanted to be a DJ. So I grew up in South Central LA, which I just realized. <laughs> no, I always was asking, like, do I really live in the real South Central? Or, like, is it not really South Central? Because I live in, like, Crenshaw, Limerick Park mm. area, like, near there. But... I feel like Tupac said it was, so it is. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I grew up in South Central. Um, started DJing 10 years ago when I used to throw parties. I had a partner who threw a lot of, like, hip-hop 
like very dude parties um, at this place called Carbon in Culver City. And I was like, can I take over your night once a month and do a girls' night and just have women DJs? Um, and he gave me the platform to do that. So I started back then, and then only like, and then I went to film school, and then I came back um, just a couple years ago to throw parties again. Um, this was after um, developing a disability, and um, I had started to go clubbing because I couldn't sleep, and I had a lot of spinal pain, so... Um, and I was clubbing in Hollywood. It wasn't the safest environment, I learned quickly. And also, very true. <laughs> <laughs> and I was clubbing by myself, because like, I couldn't not always bring someone with me. So That's very brave. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is this about? Like, Why do people club? Like, And then I was like, eh, the music like was didn't vary enough. Like, It wasn't interesting or pushing anything. And also, I wanted to make an environment for my black queer friends and, and myself. So um, I started a party called Love is the Plug a couple years ago at a black bar on Crenshaw, black owned business on Crenshaw called uh, The Living Room. And then uh, since then had done parties at Faye Dodo and a couple other places in LA. That's awesome. Yeah. And I feel you about uh, clubbing in Hollywood. I went to Lure in Hollywood oh, once, yeah. and some a man bit me. Oh, so my It God. is not safe out there. Was he, was he sober, or was he drunk? Oh, what what do you it doesn't he's matter what he was, but, but he did bite me. He's probably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it was wow. weird. That's terrible. That's an extreme lack of consent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, something that we feel is so special about the mixes that you do, especially the Black Femme Supremacy mix that I actually listened to the other day when I was preparing for the interview, you included an excerpt from an open letter to Pope John Paul II by Asada Shakur, who was a former member of the Black Liberation Army. And so when I started listening to this mix, because usually you don't hear things like that in a mm-hmm. mix. You would think it would just be a bunch of songs and it would be a great mix but I started listening to this excerpt and I really started to focus in on what she was talking about Mm. so what in your own words is the importance of honoring women like Asada Shakur and like in the work that you do as a DJ but also as an artist yeah Um, Asada Shakur I consider like a spiritual mother I mean she hasn't passed or anything but I feel like her words and her Actions like the really, like, not extreme, but like the power of her escaping a maximum a maximum security federal prison like that just doesn't happen you know that's right. not like an everyday like you have to have a lot of strength willpower courage to take to even think you can do something like that um and also her being motivated by knowing that the justice system the u.s justice system was out to get her and at any cost so um yeah and also i think it's also beautiful that she was able to find community who would risk that with her and for her who helped her like escape that prison um and then also just reading her autobiography and she has a she's like a really brilliant thinker and like one thing that she taught me there's this shirt called asada that says asada taught me a lot of people wear um and one thing that she taught me is being in a radical movement like the black panthers is all about like when you're the when you're the smaller power going against a very big power like the u.s state government or 
state police, you have to, she says, you always have to be moving. You have to be like a guerrilla army, always able to kind of, in, she learned a lot from the Vietnam War and that's what she was studying. She wrote about, um, just, you have to be able to hide. And she, she critiques like something the Black uh, Panthers did, which was heavily defend these offices to the point of like risking their lives and things like that. So, um, that just that was such a like smart thing to me because I'm like even in terms of like getting people together for social spaces like to throw parties like oftentimes we don't have the resources to like own a space like we're always roving and then it's always like underground and you always have to be able to kind of move without um, being too held like too like overly connected to one particular place so mm-hmm. um, that was one thing I learned from her and just She's just inspiring, inspiring. Like, I don't know a lot of people like her. And I don't want people to forget her. Yeah. Like, that's also why I put her in the mix. I feel like we're starting to forget the radical movements that existed in the U.S. So I think, yeah. and that those movements like Black Panther Party, like, help start things like free lunch programs or things that actually affect people today. So. Yeah, I think a huge issue today is people forgetting our history. So yeah. important to bring that back to the consciousness of the community. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to some music, but we will be back with our conversation with Bebe soon. Hey, you're listening to She Said So Radio LA. So, Bebe. How do you implement and promote slash inspire body positivity and self-care on a personal level and through your work and social media? That's a good question. Um, so one of the real places I work on that is on my second Instagram, which is called Negress Mag. Um, it's at Negress Mag. And um, it's all about centering black femmes who may not represent the typical um, image of what it means to be like say attractive or what it means to be even like an intelligent being Um, a lot of the people that I include are they identify as fat or um, also they're dark skinned a lot of them are trans women or gender non-conforming and um, it's about bringing a lot of different types of femmes Uh, black femmes together in conversation and like putting their images in conversation with each other because I feel like um, our experiences are connected and a lot of the violences for example black women, black cis women face I feel like they're connected to why black trans women are also um, violated Um, and I think it's like being at this intersection of being um, a racialized and um, oppressed for your gender, like those two things together, so yeah. You recently had partaken in an event at a space called Naval, and mm-hmm. this event was centered around illness and disability. And you did a reading about your own chronic pain yeah. that you have had to deal with for many years. Um, so what was it like talking about this? And I don't know how many people were involved in this mm-hmm. event, but what was it like to open up about the experiences that you've gone through dealing with chronic pain? And then how do you hope to accomplish, uh, like, what is your hope in being so open and honest about this? And what do you hope to accomplish through that? Yeah, um, and I shouldn't have mentioned that, too, because um, disability and, like, images of people who might have disabilities are also part of Negress Mag. So I think being body positive is also about embracing 
embracing bodies that are disabled, um, whether visibly or invisibly. Um, and then to your question about the the event um, at Naval, um, I was invited by someone named Emily. Their Instagram is Celestial Investments, and um, they invited me to speak about chronic pain because I experienced uh, chronic pain. I've had it for the past four years. I have a spinal condition that just makes me have really bad pain um, daily and like all the time. So it's always in the back of my head, <laughs> even though I'm interacting with people and they might not know that it's something that I'm experiencing. So I wanted to share about that. And then I wrote this piece about how being like essentially being black is can be an experience of living with chronic pain like in that um being a black person like we oftentimes um ha just have to deal with violence on the day-to-day -day, but also like have to confront images of violence that circulate very often even within activism or things like that that might like re-trigger us to remember our own traumatic experiences so what does it mean to be yeah like trying to make this metaphor about like physical pain and also like lived experience of pain but like I don't want it to sound that dismal like you know like I think black people black femme people black trans people also we do beautiful things with our pain like we use that pain as a knowledge that allows us to be more empathetic or caring towards each other or allows us to create community or allows us to basically take care of one another so it's, it like comes from that place too of like what do we do with our pain so I think what's also interesting about that, us being all women here, mm -hmm. is that I feel like, and from what I've noticed, either watching, like, I, I remember I saw something about BuzzFeed, I think they put together a video about women who had gone to the doctor and how they were sort of like brushed off mm. for the sorts of pain and illnesses that they were going mm. in mm -hmm. to yeah. be diagnosed mm -hmm. with. And like, most women are usually never diagnosed with what they may have. Mm -hmm. And they're just sort of just like brushed off. And yeah. they're not taken care of in the way that a man would be taken care of yeah. if they go yeah. into, you know, to see the doctor. Mm -hmm. So that's another side of it where it, that really also ticks me off where I'm just like, how, how is this happening? You know, totally. we all experience pain. doesn't matter what gender we mm -hmm. are. So it's like, why are women being brushed off the way they are when they're going to a place where you feel so vulnerable mm -hmm. being in a hospital or being in a doctor's office or something? So that's another side of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, drives me crazy. So one thing that's... Uh, oh, sorry. I don't no, know if there's time, time, but uh, one thing I wanted to add on that is like, it's hard because the ways people met measure pain are so scientific right and mm -hmm. like you need to you need it to be read on a, some type of scan or like um an x-ray or something like that and like what if the thing you are actually experiencing is invisible to even a doctor mm -hmm. and that's super common and i talked we talked Definitely. about that at navel and like the strange thing about well, not strange but like some of the ways that these pains come out or like some of the people it's affecting most it's like women are affected a lot by things like fibromyalgia things that are not easy to like detect um, and I think it's because of the stress of being a woman for example or the stress of being poor like a lot of my friends who are poor or homeless experience chronic pain and it's just like it's not something anyone wants to admit that like structural political things that affect people actually affect their bodies too so like I think I hope our society like can start to admit that to itself. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, uh, the only thing I was going to say is I, I know someone who has endometriosis mm -hmm. and th that's one of the chronic pain things that's also people write off, doctors write off, they don't know and, and, and women don't know about it either and that could be a source of their chronic pain and it's just terrible that my friend just recently got surgery for it and so she's trying to raise awareness about it mm -hmm. um, and another one of my friends is overweight and a lot of times when she or other people that she knows like goes to the doctor with chronic pain, they just write it off as Mm -hmm. as that like oh that's the reason that's the reason mm -hmm. but there could be something seriously wrong you know and then and doctors a lot of time don't take the time to look beyond what they think is causing all the yeah. issues but it's not that simple it's rarely that simple yeah right Definitely. okay we're going to take a quick break but we will be back with our conversation with kumi james now brothers and sisters good night i hope you're feeling all right you're listening to She Said So Radio LA. You just heard Big Beat Bam by Sister Nancy, followed by Kong by Nene Cherry. So, Kumi, I just wanted to say I love the bio on the Instagram account for Negress Mag. It states, celebrates black femme makers and doers who defy the world. So badass. Um, <laughs> can you tell us about the platform, why you created it? Um, yeah, elaborate a little bit more about what you were saying last time we were talking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, Negress Mag came out of initially this um, platform I created for black uh, women filmmakers in New York um, after I'd graduated from Columbia for my master's um, because I felt like we just weren't really visible within like the indie film realm so I was just thinking that um, it'd be really important to have a space where we could support each other in exchange. So this is like an outgrowth of that. That was called New Negress Film Society, and this is called Negress. So I'm like, we don't need all the words. <laughs> like, this is just about black feminine expression. Um, and also, it's, it's just a, it's about circulating these images in order to show to make people just start thinking about the black femme experience and how complicated it is. Um, it also comes out of like this history where, I don't know if y'all know, but Sojourner Truth, who was one of the um, big anti, like big abolitionists and also an early feminist, um, she used to circulate pictures of herself in the form of, of herself in the form of um, postcards that she would sell. And she would use those to go on like her speaking tours throughout the country where she was talking about abolition uh, and also talking about um, women's rights. Um, and on the back of each picture, she wrote, I sell the shadow to support the substance um, so like it's not all about the images within Negress it's about selling or showing looking at the shadows but really to talk about what the black femme experience is what it means to be a black trans woman what it means to be a black fat trans a black fat woman, identified woman, or um, what it means to be a black disabled woman, um, among so many other identities. Um, so, yeah, it's about harnessing the power of what images can do to get us to speak about the deeper issues and, co and have conversations. And to then kind of go into the other side of what power can be. So the role of power and abuse has really been in the public eye recently with mm -hmm. the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement. And we're seeing more and more how important it is to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and to take a stand, no matter how difficult that can be. And sometimes they, that takes many years for yeah. people to come out and talk about their experiences. So with all that being said, uh, what is the importance of building and overseeing a community that is reclaiming that power 
it's really important and I really am thinking about it as a community so hopefully like less hierarchical like I'm not necessarily in control of um and also I think it's important for women in general but also especially for me like women of color and black women to own to feel like they own their voices like that their voices are theirs and because I feel like all our lives we get taught so many different messages about who we should be who we can be and who we can't be that we have to like articulate for ourselves like oh no this is who I am this is who I want to be um and even in that maybe simple gesture like that can really shift your entire life um someone who i included on my negress account jamal lewis who goes by um, the name fat femme on instagram um i always put little captions of things people said next to their images and she wrote that um i taught myself that it is more important that i see myself more than sorry uh, let me say that again so i taught myself that it is more important that i see myself more and than anyone else and when you see when you see when you see you others always follow suit so that it's always about um you being self it's more about you being self-aware of what, what you want and who you are and that that can permeate into becoming like a strength that other people can see and like have to deal with absolutely it's like a domino effect exactly. when somebody sees somebody take a stand and, and like take ownership of their own vulnerabilities and and their own strengths yeah that becomes it's like contagious so that exactly. people see it and they're like i can do it too exactly you know? yeah and also i feel like something maybe that the me too movement does that similar to like other aspects of black feminism which is where i'm rooted is that to say that being vulnerable is actually powerful like it doesn't necessarily have to make you a victim it could be the place from which you claim your voice so right yeah. definitely mm -hmm. i totally agree with that it's you derive strength from like being true and real about what you're feeling mm -hmm. you know bottling it up it's like fake strength you know exactly so owning that is really important because yeah it's definitely you can use wield it mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah awesome all right we're gonna take another quick break but we will be right back with our conversation with kumi james So Kumi, you are a PhD student at USC in media arts and practice. And so what are the sorts of things that you focus on in particular in this field of study? And how do you hope to implement the things that you're learning right now at that school into projects after graduating? Yeah, um, so I'm a filmmaker by training. I've been in, I've done so much film school in my life. I went to UCLA for film school for my undergrad and then Columbia for grad, like I mentioned before. Um, and actually, it was actually a pretty difficult experience as a black uh, queer femme person to get through because I felt like it was hard a lot of times for faculty or other students to like identify things I was going through in life that I was trying to put into a story. And a lot of times folks were just kind of like, that's not a real story or like um just kind of invisibilizing my experience so i'm using this phd as, an, as uh basically um an opportunity to tell the stories that i've always wanted to tell and right now i'm working on something inspired by this writer named sadia hartman and it's a book called lose your mother um where she talks about slavery and kind of the pain of not having your roots or being connected in a clear way to who your what your heritage is or your cultural um 
people who came before you. So um, I'm using her book to kind of think about loss and um, mental health. Um, I do a lot around mental health and healing and help run like mental health um, groups for black people and there's one particular in LA that I run. So I wanted to bring in um, the ways that I like to sit and listen and support people who are going through mental health crises, um, but do it in the context of a film. So I'm going to be going to New York this week and interviewing um, black women who have either experienced um, suicidal ideation or um, who have had maybe a sister or mother um, pass away from suicide. Um, Again, like I deal with really heavy topics and everything that I do, even like the music I select um, as a DJ. Um, but I think it's just really important to talk about these things because you really never know who's dealing with those types of thoughts or that, that type of thing. And I wanted to create a way that I could help people process those things. But I wanted to also be like a really beautiful film that shows the complexity of what it means to try to live as a black femme and I think I want to film people like doing all sorts of things like dancing going out hanging out like I just want to give a really um full picture of what it means to like try to live and it's about the art of survival but more than the art of survival it's like the art of living like actually living your life in the face of like death in a lot of ways so I think another side of it too is that you can oftentimes feel so alone in how you're feeling about anything mm -hmm. so the fact that you are talking about such heavy topics mm -hmm. which people generally do not like to talk about people usually want to avoid anything that makes them feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful that you're doing that and I think more and more people will feel more at ease to talk about things that they may again feel alone in yeah definitely talking about it makes it less uncomfortable Mm -hmm. You know, normalizes it in right. a, yeah, in a way that's very productive. Mm -hmm. oh. I just side note, you've gone to so many incredible schools. Look yeah. at you. That's I amazing. We've got she's gonna have a doctorate, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Doctor Bebe. Doctor Oh my that's gosh. I like the sound going. Going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be the name shift once you have your doctorate. <laughs> yeah. You have to do that, please. <laughs> um, so switching gears a little bit, um, you've got a radio show on NTS with the punk group Fuck You Pay Us. Um, how'd you get involved with them and what's the purpose of the show? What's it all about? Well, they're a really dope um, black feminist, I would say, black feminist punk group. And I've always admired their music. It's so in your face. And I love that they they have a political, um, basically a political aim, which is that black people get reparations for all of the labor that they've contributed to the building of this country and the building of the world. Um, so it's embedded in that. Um, so, and I got um, hooked up with being a part of that show through Uhuru. Shout out to the Uhuruverse. Um, she's a, a, they're a very um, talented black femme artist and organizer and um, activist in LA. And um, yeah, they asked me to come on to the show and basically help, I help arrange the music and like also incorporate my own music to the show. And um, when they're away touring, um, I'll often curate the show. So it's been a really great experience to just to just like learn more about the history of music and like learn about black femme punks from back in the day like um polystyrene from x-ray specs um oh, she's so cool yeah <laughs> people like that and just like learning how deep the history is so 
It's been fun. You're listening to She Said So Radio LA. Um, you just heard Doubt by Charlotte Day Wilson. And before that, you heard Heaven's Only Wishful by More More. So um, going back into questions with you, Bebe. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what steps have you taken to create safer party spaces for queer, black, indigenous, and people of color in Los Angeles? And in what ways can everyday individuals take part in this change? So I do this kind of pr promo work um, through my party platform, which is called Love is the Plug. Um, and I've been doing this for like about two years. So one of the most important things about creating a space that is supposed to be, we call them safer spaces because we can't really guarantee safety. We can't be like, this is a safe space. And then something happens because unfortunately you can't control people's behavior yeah, right people are erratic people are erratic and um so it's all it's also about like making sure people who come into the party like either at the door or like through the online messaging like know what the space is about and that it's about centering consent like consent is like one of the top priorities of my spaces so we talk about how even I'll get in the mic when we're playing music and just like, hey, like remember, <laughs> consent is important. Exactly, no. consent. Like, um, if you're here, like you might want to dance with somebody. Ask them to dance with you without assuming you know they want to. Um, especially, don't touch somebody un unless you you know you have their permission or like that they're aware that they're want it, that they want to get into that with you so um consent is key and also just reminding people that there is no body shaming in my spaces or our spaces and um also no homophobia no transphobia and all these other types of um violences that happen um we just make people clear and aware of those like at the door that's what i did at the last party mm -hmm. that i threw and it worked really well i feel like and then we can make each other accountable and say like hey we already told you like this is what the space is about like you need to get <laughs> you need to get out of here yeah, you know get out. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's how i I've been working on that. That's great. I like the literal reminder, like yeah. while you're dancing, because there's nothing worse than you're just having a good time. All of a sudden, <laughs> someone has latched onto you like a leech, and you're like, "I didn't ask for this." Exactly. They have to awkwardly That's, try to get away. Like, mm -hmm, squirm more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And to go a little bit deeper, what is it? What sort of steps can promoters take? Because I'm sure you deal with promoters on a consistent mm -hmm. basis. So, like, what sorts of, sorts of steps can they take to help create safer spaces at live events? Um, I feel like they should really focus on the message of consent too and what they won't accept within the spaces i think they we all have to be aware as promoters that um sexual violence occurs even in queer queer spaces um it does it does happen so i think um going in with that knowledge and just making sure that um people feel safe that there's like point people or someone there to hold space for people that do feel violated or experience like some fucked up shit you know um so i think just being aware and a lot of times that awareness isn't there like people just think oh we're just here and we're all having fun but you never know what's really happening so it's all about spreading that awareness Definitely. Mm -hmm. So last question before we get into your set, which I'm so excited for. Yeah. Um, what are some current artists, whether musician, visual artists, performers um, that you're, you've drawn inspiration from? 
I have a few, um, but I'll just list them briefly. Jasmine Infinity is a really important um, DJ and producer. Um, I'm going to include some of her music um, today. She's a black trans woman and has a platform called New World Disorder, which I just love. Like, even the title, like, that's totally my style, like, um, in your face provocation and making people see you that you know, don't want to see you and make you invisible. Um, and then Lodic, um, who's a producer, black trans uh, woman as well, um, who's super talented and makes in-your-face music. Um, and then... Oh, Edge Slayer, who's a really dope uh, experimental producer and DJ, um, who's also a trans woman from New Orleans. Um, they combine kind of like punk sounds with bounce music and, oh, wow. and noise. I like how that So it's like a mixture of all these genres that you might not think go together, but I think it always like it speaks to like really deep um, emotions, and I just love her. So beautiful, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show yeah, today. Thank you for having me. This is really great. It's been so great. Yeah, yeah. We're You're really awesome. excited to listen to your live DJ set. Me too. All right. Okay. We're going to take a little bit of a break, but we will be back with our live DJ set with Kumi James. Baby. In Conversation was produced by DubLab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bame. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening.